Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with Talik. Today I have a guest, my bro, Justin. How are you, my brother? I'm well. I'm well today, man. I'm, I'm well. Thank you for asking. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. You know, I'm glad to have you on as a guest, you know, to talk mental health. You know, we being, you know, Black men, we just talk about mental health, man. Let's um, get this started, brother. Yeah. Um, my first question for you, I like to ask everybody this question when they come on a podcast, uh, one of my favorite questions, um, how is your mental health? Uh, it, it can vary day to day. Today, I'm feeling good. I walked outside. It was, you know, the sun was shining. It was good weather. Uh, you know, but there's also times where it can be depressive moments, moments where I don't want to be bothered. So my 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 mental health is on a on a teeter totter day to day. It just depends. Uh, what I strive to do is just to make the best of whatever I'm dealing with, whatever my situation is. Trying yeah. to make peace with with people, myself, friendship, heavy on self care stuff like that. But thank thank you for asking that question. It's just like I feel like there's no one word to define my mental health because like it. it it can it can just go up and down, right? But when I give myself chances just to kind of sit down, chill, process, I feel a lot, lot healthier, Tilly. Yeah, thank you for answering that question. I love to ask that question to people because I feel like somebody can be struggling mentally but be okay physically. And, you know, I can walk up to you and be like, Justin, you know, bro, how are you? You could be like, I'm okay. But until I ask that question, how is your mental health? That I feel like asking that question opens you know the doorway to other questions you know there's somebody to open up you know that probably won't open up because you know the stigma you know surrounding mental health yeah i like that i like that question because like it makes people actually have to think and give you a real answer if you just ask someone are they okay you can easily say yes or no like i I grew up in sales and we were like always taught to ask certain questions that were open-ended versus closed-ended. So like a closed-ended question would be a question that you can just give a yes or no to or a direct answer, right? Like, are you okay? Yes, no. You know, do you like this? Yes or no. But when you ask someone, hey, how is your mental? I can't just say yes or no. I have to like actually think about it. So yeah, phenomenal question. Yeah, um, my last question for you is, um... What does mental health mean to you? You know, what does that mean to you? Mm. Yeah, mental health. What does it mean? Uh, I think, I think, wow, (laughs) great question. So for me, and I think it can mean differently for everyone else. I ask myself, am I taking care of Justin? Yes. Am I taking care of me? I can easily get up and take care of family, friends, stand up and be there for people who I love. But do I buy out the time to take care of myself and to make sure that I'm okay? So that's the, and and if you can ask yourself that question, that encompasses so many different things, right? Like saying no, uh, giving yourself time for self-care, 
meditation, reflection, all the things that we can do to be on top of our mental health therapy, whatever you need to do. And, and what I might need to do might be different for what Talik needs to do, but just yeah. finding out what that is and then being intentional about doing it. Because when it comes to physical health, we go to see the doctor, we check, if we, something doesn't feel right, we try to address it. So mentally it needs to be the same, like how can I be intentional about making sure that I take care of myself, my mind and everything else I got going on. Yeah. Um, mental health to me, it means a lot, you know, just talking about it, you know, um, you know, just people raising, you know, back in, I'm 32, I almost forgot my age, 32, and, you know, <laughs> when I was growing up, you know, we couldn't talk about mental health, you know, especially in the Black community, you know, we had to just, like, pray pray about it, talk to God about it, and stuff like that, and the fact that we in, you know, the year 2022, that we are having open dialogues about it, talks about it, you know, people are saying, it's okay not to be okay, man. I think it's dope and stuff like that. Mental health means a lot to me. I would just thrive off the subject. Yeah. Um, next question for you. Growing up, was it okay not to be okay for you? Uh, no, certainly not. I mean, it, it, it wasn't something... To this day, I'm 30. I'll, since you told your age, I, I, I'm 30, a 90s baby. And I was raised in a household with, with as the youngest of four brothers. Uh, lovely mom. I mean, we had what we needed materially. Um, but there was no space for really emotional wellness. Uh, you know, I never saw my, to this day, I've never seen my father cry. And, you know, I think there was a lack of how to take care of your children from an emotional standpoint. And it now has me in my adult phase is like looking back and seeing where the misses were and seeing how that's affected me now. And then there was the religious side because I also can relate because I grew up um, in a super Christian household. And with that came pressures. My father had a lot of privileges in the religion and he, you know, he, he, he had a lot of responsibility. So we didn't get always get a lot of him. And because of that also put pressure on us because when you're a family in the religion and you have a, you know, a lot of eyes looking at you, there's a lot of pressure to get things right or their version of right. And there wasn't really space for emotional wellness. It took me trying to kill myself, slitting my wrist, um, trigger warning. Um, but to get my parents to wake up and finally, like in my late teens, took me to see a therapist, took me to see a psychiatrist to prescribe me medication. So there definitely wasn't any room. There was things where they would joke about mental health or joke about someone being crazy. I know my mom had a history um, with anxiety, she still does. And she would go and see someone to the point where she wasn't able, able to drive certain places because her anxiety was so bad. So I, I was exposed to that, but I didn't understand how it was affecting me. Yeah. And then when I saw my mom going through it, it was something almost like something that no one wanted to talk about. And so I kind of really didn't understand myself until late into my teens, early in my twenties as to what I was truly experiencing and what help I needed. So I look back, I really do wish like that there was more safe space from home yeah. to, to know about mental health. But then on top of that, it wasn't in the school system either. So yeah. it's like, I'm not getting the help at home. I'm not getting good examples of people who are intentional about mental health. And then when I go to school, they darn sure don't talk about it there either. So where am yeah. I going to get it? And, and and basically, I never got it until I was kind of forced and thrust into it myself. 
That's good, man. That's good. Um, my next question for you, um, you know, it's a stigma surrounding mental health, right? But it's also a stigma surrounding men's mental health. What do you say to that stigma to, you know, what do you say to that stigma that says, you know, men can't be weak, we can't cry, we can't have feelings, we have to man up, you know, just um, you'll get over it. Like, what do you say to that stigma surrounding men's mental health? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know, we're having this conversation. I'm not sure when the audience will hear this, but as of right now, we're still in the month of November, Movember, celebrating men's health, men's mental health. And it's it's very, we know that men take their own lives at about a three to one ratio than women when it comes to suicide. And so that's because of all of the stigmas associated with what it is to be a man, uh, this idea of what masculinity is and the, the, the harmful things that we tell our boys don't cry, uh, man up. And what that does is it creates this cycle of we don't know how to express ourselves. We don't know how to process. We're told to hold it within. I was having a conversation the other day on, the day on Clubhouse and I was expressing something and someone in the chat said, you know, I was talking about my relationship with my father. And it was like, you know, you can't take these things personal. And I stopped for a moment to leak and I said, I stopped him. I said, look, I know you don't mean it that way, yeah. but understand when you tell a brother, don't take it personal, you're sending a message to tell him not to feel what he feels. And that's the same, it's equivalent to me to man up, don't cry because we darn well need to take some things personal and allow ourselves to feel hurt, to be emotional because society has told us that we can't that we shouldn't because that's not what men do. And all it's created is this history of us holding things within, not allowing it to go out. And then it does come out. It usually comes out in very unproductive ways in society. And it lands a lot of our brothers dead, in jail, on drugs, alcoholics, yeah. because we never learned how to process or deal with our hurt, to deal with our, palm, the, our, our, our trauma, excuse me, our pain, and so what I encourage people, I, I heard in a documentary the other day, something powerful, a brother said, he says, look, just like we can pass down trauma generation to generation, we can also pass down healing. So I'm committed to what can we do to turn that stigma on its rear end and say, look, here's how real men do cry. Real, real men do get emotional. Real men do experience these things and learn how to express themselves in a productive way. This yeah. is what real men look like. And I think if we can create that conversation. We pass that down generation to generation. Wow, that was so good, man. That was so good. Oh, that was good. <laughs> um, my next question for you is, um, do you have like a circle of friends that keep you accountable, you know, when it comes to your mental health? Yeah, you know, I was uh, one of my friends, well, not just mental health and physical health, because, you know, one of my friends is a, is a she, she listens to my podcast, you know, I do a podcast about mental health and she she hit me up the other day and was like, hey, I said on there recently, I said, I got to make a, a doctor's appointment with my PCP this year, I'm committing. Cause you know, that's a part of men's health too, is the stigma that yeah. we don't want to take care of ourselves physically. So I committed on my podcast in front of my huge audience. I'm going to the doctor and she, she called me the other day and was like, uh, so have you made that appointment yet? And I was like, I got quiet. I got silent. Cause I'm like, yo, I had it, but see, I love 
I want friends in my corner who hold me accountable to things that I say and do. Um, and overall, like my circle is very small. There's a lot of people who are quote unquote acquaintances, people I love from afar, but I have a small circle of people I can count on, maybe a few fingers who I know if I really needed something, know the true me, know the real me, will be there for me, no questions asked, pour into me as I pour into them, show me love for who I really am, not a conditional type of love, not a love that's tied to anything else but just them caring about who Justin is. And yeah. I, I don't need 20 of those people, just a few of them. Um, and in, in particular, a couple of mentors of mine have come into my life in a year where, you know, I went through a divorce. I went through a lot of transformations mentally. Yeah. Um, I went through a lot of dark times this year. And also I stopped having a relationship with my father. And there was two men in particular. Um, we talked about Black Men Hill. Doug Reed is one of the directors over there. He's one of my mentors. And then my good brother, Jay Barnett from the Just Heal Bro Tour. He does a lot of work in the community. They took me underneath their wing and really helped me deal with some of those things. And they hold me accountable. We check in weekly. They call me, we text. And I really appreciate having brothers like that because that's kind of given me in a, in a space where I don't really have much of a relationship with my older siblings, my older brothers, and then I don't have a relationship with my father, I was yearning for an older man to look up to for that affirmation, for that validation, for that good example, to be a better man. And so those two men have been really impactful for me to kind of get through what I'm going through and they hold me accountable and making sure that I'm taking care of myself. In fact, Jay the other day hit me up and was like, bro, you got to take a break, man. You know, when you hey, make sure you, you take a couple of months off, I don't want you to podcast. I don't want you to do nothing but chill and rest. And I appreciate people like that because that's what I need. People in my corner who want to see the best for me, see the potential in what I can accomplish, but won't let me fall. Yes. Um, just want to put out there, um, Justin, you know, has his own podcast and I believe Clubhouse. Is that Sundays at 1 p.m.? Yeah, yeah. So real quick on a quick shameless plug. So for that's one of the most things I mean, I've spoke on a lot of stages. I met the president this year. I did a lot of really cool things in 2022. But honestly, one of the things that I'm most proud of is how consistent we have a club on Clubhouse called the Mental Wealth and Wellness Club. And I started that club almost two years ago. And every Sunday, one o'clock Eastern, we meet and we have a group talking about some mental health topic It's a different topic every week. It's a safe space. We have different moderators. We partner with actual mental health professionals. I, one of my closest friends is Dr. Catherine Jackson. She is a clinical psychologist. And then uh, Lauren Patterson also mods with us as well. She's an author and a CEO founder of a nonprofit. Uh, we, we bring hundreds of people in each week to talk about mental health. The club now has almost 4,000 members and we've been doing it every Sunday. Like we barely ever miss a Sunday. Usually it's because it's a holiday, Mother's Day or something like that. Yeah. We do it. We do it every Sunday. So I, I started that club as a pivot from the podcast because the podcast is called the Mental Wealth Podcast. And I release episodes every week, but I wanted another place where I could have deeper conversations. And so the club, the Mental Wealth and Wellness Club gives us that opportunity to bring people in from all across the world and have conversations about mental health. And so we're going to, we're going to do that uh, tomorrow on Sunday and every Sunday. And so we invite as many people out to join with us. And that's probably one of the most proudest things I'm, I'm proud of because it just really helps me to do the work on the ground level. 
Um, shout out to um, Clubhouse. Um, yeah. I believe, like, I didn't meet Justin on Club, well, on his podcast, Clubhouse, but I believe that we met through um, a men's mental health, the one that's on Mondays and Thursdays, I believe. Yes. I'm not, yes, but um, shout yes. out to that too, because I would have never, if I didn't just play around going on Clubhouse, I would have never met Justin. You know, Clubhouse has different rooms, you know, check out his room. Every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard, 1 o'clock Eastern. Yes, sir. Make sure y'all check that out. So my next question is, um, we already talked about suicide, but before that we get to this trigger warning, I want to say anybody out there that's struggling with thoughts of suicide or deep depression, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 988. All you have to do is dial 988. If you know anybody that's struggling, if you're struggling yourself, make sure you dial that number. So, um... I'll share like my suicide. I'll share my side, um, and then I'll ask you. You know, like you can share more about what you talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, um, as a child, I was um, sexually abused by two of my cousins. You know, physical abuse. You know, got with the stinger cord with no clothes on. You know, uh, lost my mom twenty nineteen. Lost my grandma in two thousand and seven. My mom twenty nineteen. I mostly lost my sister. So you know, I've been through so so much trauma. Yeah. And, you know, I am a suicide attempt survivor, you know, I still to this day struggle with suicide, you know, um, just trying to deal with so much trauma and I feel like I need to like try to pick one to deal with each. I'm trying to deal with everything at once and stuff like that and it comes overwhelming. You know, I'm in therapy and everything, you know, like I got psychiatrists and everything, taking meds and everything, you know, um, I'm just um, happy still be here but you know guys i do my podcast you know i'm ready who i have on justin reality stars whoever it is therapists you know professionals wherever it is i still struggle to this day you know i'm very proud of my podcast i'm very proud to come on and talk mental health when i'm not doing well when i'm doing well so i'm just proud to just still talk about it but um just let you know i still struggle with thoughts of suicide you know um i struggle with so much and you know I will say call 988. I'm going to say call 988, even though I don't take my own advice. But, you know, if anybody out there is struggling, you know, make sure y'all get into community, you know, talk to somebody, talk to whatever that looks like, a friend, a cousin, somebody that you trust, a brother, a best friend. Um, get into church community. You know, NAMI, I volunteer for NAMI. We had different support groups. It's not intended to replace therapy, but I feel like being in support groups are dope you know you get to um, be in a group and get feedback from people you know people that probably been through the same thing you've been through you know so i think that's so dope um your turn i want to know like what's you know yeah, i know you yeah, talked about yeah. suicide attempts earlier people you can get yeah more I'll, into it. I'll open it up but first before i even get into i just want to acknowledge you brother for just openly sharing your story and being brave and courageous enough that despite your advocacy and all the work that you're doing you still deal with things and i think that's okay because sometimes people see brothers on the front line and assume that they all have it all together check on them check on them make sure they're okay ask check you know show love compassion because you have no idea what battles someone might be going through what it might take for them just to get up and just to record a podcast right you're doing so much to help the community no doubt it's probably cathartic for you in some sense but i want to just acknowledge you and your story and your strength because um that you need to be committed for the work that you do and people need to realize that despite Everyone, all the speakers, therapists, doctors, everything that people yeah. are doing, we are all fighting a battle. So just kudos to you for sharing that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, of course, of course. For me, a, a couple initial bouts of suicide um, were in my late teens. That's when I started cutting. And, you know, when I look at 
my arm, I can still see some scars there. And it's it, just a reminder of how far I've come. But um, some initially uh, early attempts weren't necessarily me trying to end my life. It just was to kind of work with the pain. And then it became something where I didn't want to live anymore and would have run away from home and got prescribed a bunch of medicine. Um, when I graduated high school, see, a lot of that was tied to like being bullied about my weight, being teased and stuff and just, you know, really not finding a place in my teens. I got into my 20s. I kind of came off the medicine, stopped going to a therapist. And I think I was fine for a little while, like, I, but I was probably acting out in different ways um, and more rebellious ways in life and yeah. not really facing it, kind of just ignoring it, pushing to the side. And flash forward, you know, I dealt with different things in my 20s, but what really was a pinnacle, like the most recent serious ideas of suicide came about a year ago where I knew that my marriage was ending. I was, I got married at the beginning of the pandemic uh, and it was failing. I was a year and a half in and I could sense that it was over. Like my energy was gone. And there wasn't anything left for me to give. We had just had a huge fight and I went to New York city. I was going to New York city for Charlemagne's mental wealth expo. And I was there just to promote the podcast. I'm gonna go shake some hands, maybe, you know, blow up the podcast. I've been potting for like six or seven months. But when I went, when I tell you to leak, I went there, I didn't really have any intentions of coming back. Wow. And I, I sat down there and it was brothers that really started to pour. That's when I met Doug Reed. That's when I met Jay Barnett. That's when I met Jason Wilson, Charlemagne, Doctor. It's a bunch of people. And they were speaking things into my soul that yeah. made me realize that I had a purpose. And I went back to my room that night. I recorded probably one of the most emotional podcasts ever of just me responding to that love and finding that I still had a way, but my journey wasn't over yet because even when I came back home, I still was living with my ex. And so I still went through October, yeah. 2021, November, December. It wasn't until January of this year that we separated. And so last November also had a major surgery. I had complications physically. Um, my, my, my ex at the time, she was dealing uh, she was starting a new job and she was barely home. We barely, so we were already failing. I was barely seeing her. I was recovering physically. I was recovering from a suicide attempt, suicide ideology, and I was ready to go. So then I said, well, maybe once I separate from her, then we'll be okay. I'll be okay. So January, we separated this year, but a few weeks in, like I started getting reports of all these things that she was saying about me online, like dragging me. Oh, wow. saying, putting all business in the streets, saying a bunch of things that weren't true, painting a bunch of narratives that weren't true. And here, wow. was, the here was the worst part of it, Talib. The worst part of it was I, I come to find out that some members of my family, my blood relatives, entertained it and, wow. showed, and showed her sympathy. Wow, that's crazy. All, all the while, while no one, not one of them ever had picked up the phone to call me and say, hey, you good? Not even just on what's the business. You okay? Yeah. How you, you're managing it? And I remember I recorded an episode of my podcast and I was ready to go again. Because at that point, I'm like, I thought I had peace, but now this woman is saying all these things about me negatively. 
I chose not to speak for myself, but what was worse was to have people that I loved and care about thought that that was the truth and walked with it as if it was the truth that painted my character in some type of way. I was done again yeah. with life then earlier this year. But what God has done for me this year since then is amazing. And, and I understand the reason and purpose while I'm still here, but I, I can't sit here and tell you that this year wasn't one of the hardest years of my life, if not the hardest, because dealing with that emotionally, feeling like there was no one I could speak to, to talk to, that's the danger zone when someone's really in the suicidal mind, because it feels like there's no one there for you that you can really vent to, to talk to, to, to build you up, to, to reel you back in. Yeah. That loneliness feeling is so dangerous, bro. And I felt that for like the first two or three months of this year until I was kind of forced out of my shell and started down my healing journey, bro. But, but I'm, I, I, to when I look back today in November, or as this year is almost over, I feel so much better about where I am today, but it was, it was a long road, bro. It was a long road. That's, um, sorry, man. Um, sorry to try to go through that. Um, yeah. I won't say anybody out there that's listening, that's struggling, you know, Nine eight eight, you know, get into community. Like I said, talk to someone, somebody that you trust. Because and remember, not everybody understands mental health struggles. You know, talk to somebody that's going to be understanding and that's going to stick with you. You know, to you, to the wheels fall off. I'm not saying that was going to happen, but you know, somebody's going to stick with you. Um, my next question for you is: um, What are some um, good coping skills you can um, recommend someone that's struggling with their mental health? Yeah, so self-care one-on-one, I think, is most important. Again, self-care can look different for me, for you, all of us. We can exercise different levels of self-care. But I would ask someone, listen, what is your happy place? What makes you happy? Where are you at peace? What calms your spirit? And do a lot of that, right? Um, when, when you're going through something, try not to isolate yourself. Even if it's just one trusted person, that you can go to, that you can text, you can call, just to be heard, go to that person. Don't be concerned with having 20 or 30 friends because no one really has 20 or 30 friends. That's a, a friendship is a word that people throw around so loosely. Focus on people who really have your back and you have their back and they've, they've shown you who they are over a period of time. And then combined with positive affirmations, self-care, whether it's going outside, resetting a nature walk, whether it's removing triggers from your life, people from your life, you know, coming off social media for some, giving yourself a break, taking some time off from work. One thing too, I encourage all of my listeners to do, and this is something that some people still don't know about. If you do work a nine to five, a corporate job, most jobs these days have what's called an ERG, an employee research or uh, uh, employee resources group. And in these ERGs, right, they offer mental wellness. They might offer free counseling sessions. They might offer access to wellness apps like Talkspace or Headspace. They might offer discounts for, for medicines, different. Do some research and find out what your employer might offer you from the mental health perspective. Because for me, I found out by accident that my company, a billion dollar company, offered me up to 20 free sessions a year of therapy. Oh, wow. I had no, I called in one day for taxes. 
And this was 2020 or something like that. I called in for taxes and they asked me, hey, yeah, we're going to get you over to someone, but how are you today? How's your mental health? Are you having any thoughts? So I'm like, that's a random question. I called back. So yeah, we're a 24-hour we're uh, crisis center for all of our employees. And here's all the benefits you get as a employee. Had, I worked for the company for four and a half years, bro. Had no idea. So I just say that to say there are resources out there. One of the hardest things for people dealing with mental health is either refusal to deal with it or two. Sometimes they just don't know. They don't have the information, the education to know what might be out there to help them. So part of coping yeah. is that education pieces learning what does your employer offer what does your city offer what the social services offer that might get you some of the healing and the information that you need to start your process and so all those things in one um for me are ways to kind of cope and just deal with what i'm going through that's dope 23 yeah. sessions. 23 <laughs> sessions. 20. So, hey, I use those. Hey, I use those a lot. And when you mention 988, one thing I'd be remiss not to mention, they also have a text line, 74141. Yeah. And some people don't like me. I'm not a person that likes to get on the phone. Anyone knows me, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a voice memo guy and I'm a texter. So I've, t I've texted them before and yeah. got a quick response. And so for people who rather text, but I've used those lines too, because it's like, there was times where I felt like there was no one to talk to. And at least I have someone and it's free. It's there. And just even if nothing changes with your circumstance, you'd be yeah. surprised what that could mean to someone just to feel like there was someone there for me, just to kind of, for me to pour, pour my heart into yes. just for me to feel a little bit less. So even if I walk away and nothing has changed about my situation, the fact that like that heaviness like when we feel like we need to cry, and when we finally let it, like holding it back hurts more. Like when it's, it gets stuck in your chest and you yeah. start to get Like I feel better when I cry because once it's out, I'm like, <sighs> you know what I'm saying? That's the yeah. feeling I get when I talk to someone that I care about. Because I'm like, even if nothing changes, the fact that you showed up and you was there for me just makes my heart glad that I wasn't alone in that moment. Yeah. I, I, I feel you, bro. Yeah. Um, my next question for you, how do you feel about therapy? I already probably know how you feel, but how do you feel about therapy? Well, the first thing I'll start with, shameless plug, I happen to be sponsored by a therapy company, betterhelp.com. And so, um, you know, everyone's seen BetterHelp and I'm, I'm glad to be sponsored with them. And what they do is they give my listeners 10% off of therapy. And so, and hey, it's on good. 10% off and it's, it's very inexpensive that you, you can cancel anytime, but it really blew up in the pandemic where some people didn't want to, couldn't go in person. And then even after the pandemic, didn't want to go in person right through this screen, just like now you could be talking yeah. to your therapist. If you don't want to be on camera, you can just message them. You can call them. And it's like a monthly fee to over 20,000 therapists. And they give my audience 10% off of therapy just for, for trying it. So that tells you a little bit, obviously, I would not partner with the brand that I didn't believe in therapy. I'm actively in therapy. I go once every month. Um, and then sometimes intermediate sessions is needed in combination yeah. with my mentors. I think therapy is an opportunity to do the self-work. And what, what therapists, the good therapists tell me, the ones that I go to and the ones that I, I do work with is... My job is to guide you down the path, like to, to kind of be the compass, the GPS of, all right, yeah. let's set you up, but you have to do the driving. And so I approach therapy with the perspective of what does Justin need to do? Because it's not, a lot of people say, well, I've, I've tried therapy, I go to therapy, but they don't really do the work. They don't want to listen to the therapist. They don't want to do anything to improve themselves. That was me in the beginning. 
But now when I go, I'm intentional to let me go through with my notebook and see how I can apply what the therapist is telling me to do because it's helping me. And I just, I think I can see a huge difference from when I would go in therapy in my late teens, stopped going. And then now in my late twenties, now in my thirties, now divorced and everything I've gone through, it's very helpful for me to ground myself and yeah. just to reset because I do a lot in the community. And sometimes that weighs me down and, and gives me a lot of anxiety. But when I go into the therapy session, it just allows me to just to be free, to be open yeah. and just to, to really focus on my own healing journey. So I'd recommend, listen, therapy isn't for everybody. I understand some people believe in other methods and I respect that, but I would encourage all people to at least give it a try, a real try. Don't just go and say, I went, go and see if you can make it work for you. Even if it's just four, a lot of therapists, you know, start you off three, four, whatever. Even if you just go for a month, just to see if, if I promise you, you'll walk away. Even if you decide not to keep it forever. If you go do four sessions, You'll walk away feeling better. If if you go in there willing and ready to do the work, you'll walk away feeling better for it. So I encourage everyone to give it a try. Yes, and remember, guys, um, just because you go your first try and it may not work, don't mean yes. that another therapist is not out there for you. Because I've been through the same room where I tried one therapist and I was like, this ain't going to work. But, you know, I tried other ones until I found the right one. And I had the right one. And then sometimes it's okay to move on so another one when you're, you know, you know, you're done. So um, yeah. just never, never give up. Cause I was that person. And I was like, this ain't for me. I feel like the person didn't care the program I was at, but you know, if I didn't, you know, like watch, listen to podcasts or just like watch people's stories, you know, I would have never um, kept going, you know, people, you yeah. know, people that told me before, you know, you gotta keep trying to find that right one. And I'm a firm believer in it. Yeah, it's okay to fire your therapist sometimes. I mean, you, we, we usually don't find love on the first on the first go. I, sometimes people just go and, well, I ain't like the therapist. And okay, well, there's a millions of therapists. I mean, go go find, wait until you find someone that that works, you know, beats your needs and that resonates with you and find that it might take a few tries. But once you find that person that really fills your cup and, and helps you, then stick with it, you know, but don't be afraid to, to, to try some different things and some different type of therapists. I know a lot of folks in our community, they're more willing to try it when there's um, a black therapist and there's now yeah. a bunch of therapists for just black people for, or people of color who are therapists yeah. as well, where you can, if, if that makes you more comfortable. So maybe you go and you get a sign a therapist that, wasn't black and it wasn't a good experience it's not, nothing wrong go go find someone that is a person of color and see if you can mesh with them and give it a give it a real a real shot yeah. so that's an amazing point bro that was me i was i had to find a uh, like you know my issues i had trust issues with men and just because i was blessed about two of my male cousins so yeah. my thing with therapy i need to find a male therapist to build that trust and it had to be black because like i'm already talking about trauma but you know trauma as a black man i feel like no other race can help me with that subject you know what i'm saying like as a black man with trauma and stuff like that so guys there's a therapist out there for you <laughs> just yeah, yeah. don't give, don't give <laughs> up just, i call it the matchmaking of therapists you'll find your right fit um sure. my last question like yeah. what's going on with you like I just and i always let people promote themselves like what's going on with you like what, yeah. what's coming up next you know promote yourself appreciate it um again you know 
it's been, as I mentioned, it's been a, a, a great year. So we started the podcast, the Mental Wealth Podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google uh, in April of 2021. I just wrapped my second season, um, 60 episodes. Um, you know, a lot of people, as you know, with podcasts, there's a lot of work with it. A lot of people start and stop, but to be still here almost two years later, we grew it into 40 countries. We have listeners in 40 different countries in the world thousands of downloads. So we're, we're grateful and thankful. We've had some amazing, amazing guests on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so that's something, obviously, I'm going to enjoy this next break. I'll come back in 2023. Um, but the podcast is something huge. And this year, even after coming off that divorce, man, dealing with that in the background, um, I was able to speak on national stages about mental health. I spoke at PodFest, which is a national podcast okay. festival, the largest gathering of podcasters in May. I'll be back there in January speaking again. But oh. this past May, I spoke on two panels, one at Mental Health and Podcasting, one about diversity in podcasting. Uh, in June, I spoke at uh, a mental health summit in San Francisco about the state of Black mental health. Um, I've been... I've been, you know, over the country at different mental health summits, being being in the background, being a leader there. I got the sponsorship with BetterHelp uh, in September. I got invited to the White House to meet Joe Biden and the president based off some of the advocacy work that I was doing. They were honoring Elton John for his advocacy work, and they invited a bunch of mental health advocates, social workers, teachers, yes. politicians. And so that was obviously one of the great honors of my life. I got a picture with them, got a chance to chat with them for a quick second. So that was in September. Then in October, um, I was a part of in that same mental health um, event. I talked about um, that saved my life from Charlemagne. He did it again this past October in New York City. And I was a part of and I was yeah. a part of the staff. I was a part of the event staff. And I was able to go behind the scenes and be a part of a lot of different things, meet a lot of different people, build a lot of different relationships. And then you know, now I'm doing some work for, for Black Men Heal. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's been a, this year by far, like it's been a great level up coming off of the darkness into coming into my true self. And there's already things that I have booked for next year, more speaking engagements. So where I kind of want to just be is just continuing to speak, continuing to um, encourage my fellow man to take care of their mental health, continuing to grow the podcast and just, traveling the world, um, helping to reverse some of these negative stigmas that we've seen. And I'm thankful only by the grace of God that I'm able to have come this far and accomplish what I was able to accomplish in this year of coming from where it started to where it's now about to finish. I'm eternally grateful for the opportunities that I've had, and I'm just looking forward to more of those opportunities. So hopefully people check me out, check out the podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Come check yeah. us out on Clubhouse every Sunday, one o'clock. Um, the social media, we're at the mental underscore wealth podcast, the mental underscore wealth podcast. And we're just always looking to collaborate and link up with people who really want to do the work in the community. And that's what I'm proud of, bro. So that's that's my that's my two minute elevator speech. <laughs> but um, thank you for being a guest, man. Thank you for saying yes. Um I actually been on his podcast episode. I mean, not podcast episode, Clubhouse episode before one time promote my book. So um, thank you for coming on, man. Um, and um, I'm just excited that you came on. I just like, like I say this all the time. Like when um, I have guests on there, especially men that talk about mental health, it's just like, yeah. 
excitement for me, you know, will open up doors, you know, you never know who we like, if it takes one listener, two listeners, whatever listeners that's listening, like, hey, these men are having this conversation, you know, this is why I started the podcast, you know, to have these mental health talks, you just talk all things mental health, you know, because a lot of it's, it's talked about a lot now, but, you know, I'm just like jumping on it, like, let's talk about it more, you know, so I'm always excited, no matter if I'm depressed, suicidal just whatever mood i'm in i'm always down to talk mental health and i just want to thank you again coming on and being a guest my brother thank you hey it's honored to be on the podcast again thank you for the invite um honored to come on anytime glad we're able to connect man congratulations too on your success on your book and the podcast and you know listen um game recognizes game and i just admire you know some of the work that you've been doing and i i see you know you you got a chance to get these reality stars and big brother and challenge stars on your podcast and talk mental health and i think that's super important too because you know you see those stars from that perspective they have the verified check they have the followers but they all are going through something as well yeah. too so um i remember tapping into the episode you did with with taylor from uh big brother really enjoyed that yeah. because some of our people are dealing with so much she dealt with i'm a fan of the show so i really yeah. geek for that episode so just congrats again just on the work that you're doing and bringing awareness even and also you know a sense of humanity to people who we only see as the the, the beautiful stars with all the likes and all the shares and all the yeah. attention, but they also are human just like us. And thank you for yeah. humanizing those folks. Keep doing your work. Keep battling, brother. Do what you're doing. Um, you know, there's so many amazing things ahead of you, brother. So any way that I can lend a hand and, 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 and collaborate with you, I'm grateful to, to be on your platform, Talib. Thank you, man. Thank you. Light and love.